Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Asher Marketing Podcast. I'm Anthony Giuliano, and my guest this week is voiceover artist Laura Rich Creek. Laura, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am great. Thanks for doing this. I think you are the first voiceover artist I've ever met because I've worked with sort of secondhand through our creative team. I've worked with a lot of voiceover artists, and you and I have actually worked together on voiceover stuff. And you reminded me that we had, in fact, met in the real world, but it wasn't because we were working together on voiceover stuff. Right. It was something else. So um, I think it was Ivy Tech work that you mm-hmm. did in partnership with Brad Bores, who's great, who does a lot of work with the agency. Do I yeah. have all that right? Yep, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Um, I'm super intrigued by your story because, as I mentioned, I've worked with voiceover artists. And I've always wondered, how did you get into that and what does it actually involve? So I want to hear a lot about that. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about some of the things you're working on because you don't just do commercial work. You do audiobooks, You do some other things. want to hear about all those things. But take us back to the beginning, whatever that means for you. What was your original idea on what your career was going to be? And um, It may have been voiceover work, but it may not have been. And then when did you decide that what you're doing now is what you wanted to do? Okay. Wow. Well, um, I think I would say that I blame my parents for this. Okay. <laughs> so it goes way back. And and that's to say um, that's a positive thing because um, they are both educators mm-hmm. and uh, have a love of reading. Mm-hmm. And um, they uh, cultivated that in, my, in me and my brother, my brother and me. And um, uh, gosh, I, ever since I can remember, my dad was reading the Little House on the Prairie books to me. My mom and I would read together. I would read to her while she was— uh, preparing dinner. And so I became, uh, I, I improved my reading skills and I was good at it as a young reader. And then, um, oh gosh, as far as acting, because that's a part of voiceover work, yeah, sure. um, I, that was in the children's choir at church. Okay. And so that's where that started. And then through high school and through college. And I wanted to be um, some sort of academician. I okay. got. A, I wanted to get a degree in English, and it became English, English education. And mm-hmm. then, and journalism was tacked onto that. Um, and then I taught some, but actually, when I got out of college, I did construction. So, oh, really? Okay. Didn't use so anything. how did you? How did you get into construction? <laughs> actually, I went to college with a guy who had a small constru- yeah. construction team and needed somebody else, and I was available. And okay. So I was the only girl on the team, you know. So it was novel and yeah, sure. you know, kind of cool. But um, then I, oh gosh, then I I did eventually start teaching at on the co- college level, and found that I really wasn't enjoying teaching. Were you teaching English? Yes. And I enjoyed working with students and enjoyed helping them one-on-one, but I didn't didn't like all the administrative stuff and all the massive grading that there is in that field. You and I have that in common. I taught writing classes at the college level, and I loved being in front of students and working with students, and the pile of papers would just steal my soul every yeah. time I looked at yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, there went your weekend every yeah, weekend for, sure. for the semester. For sure. Yeah. 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 Um, so I ended up getting out of that and I got into uh, technical writing okay. and really enjoyed that because of the precision that's needed mm-hmm. in uh, in documenting processes mm-hmm. and, and being able to convey that to somebody who should be able to theoretically walk up to a machine and based on your the process you've written, be able to operate the equipment. Yeah. So I really enjoyed it. Um, and I got to work in a lot of different fields, uh, the paper industry, the defense industry, um, 
the automotive industry. So it was all really enjoyable. So were you traveling around the country doing that work, or were you based here in Regional? Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, And then I started having children, Mm -hmm. and so they kind of, you know, took my time. Yeah. And I intended to be a stay-at-home mom once I had kids. And found out how fun they are. I, I really, I was all in. Yeah. And, um, and how many kids and how old are they now? I have two. They're 18 and 15 and they are the coolest kids yeah. around. Yeah. So we okay. have a, we're, we're pretty tight. All right. Um, well, that's great. They probably wouldn't say that, but <laughs> <laughs> at least not out. But, um, uh, and actually in there, um, you know, some unplanned things happened. I, I got divorced and mm-hmm. so I moved and then I couldn't be a stay at home mom anymore. Sure, um, sure. But I happened to, uh, get acquainted with the um, Whitley County Habitat for Humanity affiliate mm-hmm. and started working as a housing counselor for okay. them, which, again, it was um, detailed work, yep. very detail-oriented, putting files together and then also helping people okay. on a one-to-one basis, people that are in crisis. And mm-hmm. that there was a lot of gratification from that. Oh, sure. Um, but then the program that I was working on ran out of money, mm. and so I voluntarily was let go and i mean i i we were talking about it and yeah. you do what's best for the organization and um my neighbor across the street i don't know if you might know him john burkett with red tide productions yeah um, he's know the brad's name. actually mm-hmm. uh, brother-in-law actually oh okay and he this is where um it's kind of unusual but um it was at this point it was my dog who got me into it and okay. i had I had an amazing um, black lab named Atticus, and he's he was um, he's be- he was beautiful um, and very well behaved. Mm-hmm. Uh, had knew certain commands, and so John wanted to use him in a commercial, and so he and I went over there, and because uh, it was right across the street. Then after shooting, um, we were talking, and I said, you know, I've I've always wanted to get into voiceover, you know. So if you ever need somebody, let me know. I'm unemployed right now, and. Mm-hmm. He used me on about six commercials, and then, um, well, actually, I'd like to back up because back into this is probably 2012. Okay. And then back in I think 2010, I had taken a class in the continuing ed department over um, at IPFW from Craig Allen, and he um, talked about how to get into voiceover. Okay. And so, and I, what's neat is that I've, I've, Craig also did my demo. Way back then. Yeah. But then when I was, you know, all the stars aligned and I was actually going to be able to get into voiceover, um, that's the demo I used to, to get started. And just recently, he redid my demo. And that demo is actually on your LinkedIn page, if I'm not mistaken. I Correct? hope it's the new one. It, well, I did, I hope it I, references 2010, I think. Oh, dear. I was, I was snooping on your LinkedIn page today. So. <laughs> well, I, I think... I think I posted my okay. new demo, ah, but it. it sounds like I need to go back and well, do an maybe. update. And maybe by the time this gets out in the world, you'll have the chance Let's to hope. get yeah. it right. I'm going to work on that tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I want to listen to it. So um, so this is 2010-ish, you said? That's when I first had the opportunity to feel like this is something I could do. Okay. And because um, I'd wanted to do it, I wanted to read audiobooks way back when I was little. Sure. Um, and because I thought it was so neat because we... In our family, not only did we read to each other, but we, um, my my mom especially, um, just consumed audiobooks, mm-hmm. and and so I would hear those, and I would yeah. participate as a listener in those. Sure. Um, so, so then jumping forward again, um, I bought my first mic, and I think I bought a mudguard, and I downloaded Audacity, mm-hmm. and 
did the best I could. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's not a lot. And I would get so frustrated because I had to edit out so many noises and just, you know, a sigh over here or a train over there. And sometimes you can't edit all that out. So sure. I have to redo. Um, but then I was in a couple of programs, um, community programs, where there were opportunities for grants. And I won a grant and was able to outfit my my office. Oh, wow. With, um, I mean, it's totally acoustically treated, um, and I have these heavy curtains over the window. And so when I shut the door, it's a, it's a sound, it's not soundproof, but it's a sound booth. Wow. So has it always been a home-based business for you? Yes. Wow. Okay. Because my experience, and, and I would get on my depth pretty quickly, is that when I started working at Asher, I really had no exposure to the world of voiceover artists prior but this is like 2004, and it was always you had to go to a studio to do it. Um, but it sounds like you were kind of ahead of the curve with having that studio in your home. Was that a function of being, you know, a single mom, or were there other factors? Um, it was out of necessity, yeah. and and then the desire to um, to still get back to being a stay at home mom. Yeah. And um, but I think also at that time with with. Uh, software like Audacity, and then the fact that mics were becoming so much more affordable. I mean, mm-hmm. my first one was, I think, $100. Yeah. It was a, a, a Blue Yeti. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think because it's become affordable, and then I don't I don't know if um, other communities have this resource, but Sweetwater mm-hmm. has just been a wonderful resource. Yeah, um, sure. Their whole approach to how they work with customers um, – makes all the difference. And so when I went in there, I didn't know anything. And the gentleman that, that I got attached to ended up, um, you know, he, he understood I had a very limited budget and was just getting started. And so he pointed me in the right direction and, and really tried to save money Mm -hmm. for me, um, and help me out in that way. And, and, you know, that, that endears you to them or endears them to you. And so, um, but I think that's it's become more and more that way. Sure, um, sure. Where people can have their home studios and it works. Yeah. You don't have to hire it out. So so when do you go from, my neighbor happens to do this, I'm going to do a few spots here and there, to this is what I'm going to do, this is going to be my career. How quickly does that happen? Oh, man. Um, oh, wow. Try, gosh, I, I'm not... I can't remember just how it how it worked. I, I talked to a couple of people that I knew could give some business mm-hmm, advice, mm-hmm. and they directed me towards a website, doing a website and getting some business cards, having a logo to kind of give that that presence to it. And yeah. then I was doing research and learning about where to find voiceover mm-hmm. work. Um, and that could have been a, a matter of months. Um, I mean, I, I was on unemployment, so I, sure. I had some income yep. so that— there was some urgency, but I also had a little breathing yeah, space. Sure. I don't know if I can answer that yeah, definitively. Yeah, that's, that's okay. <laughs> so so let me ask you this. You know, uh, there's there's multiple ways that work can find you. It can be through agencies. It can be through audio houses directly. It can be through clients directly. Um, but today it's it's like there's more opportunity, but it's more competitive at the same time. Mm-hmm. What's that like for you? Are you, you know, we, there are times when – Again, through another party here, we'll just source source a voice from the internet. Someone who you know is is probably a hundred or a thousand miles away. Um, and there are times we use people locally. What is that 
ratio look like to you? You're doing a lot of work mainly with local entities or is it all over the place and you kind of don't know how it finds you? Well, I would say the commercial work is is more has been more local mm-hmm. um, and it's been word of mouth yeah. or they told me that they they literally just searched for local voiceovers yeah. and found me. Okay. Um the audiobooks because I go to a hub yeah. and which which reaches out to I mean internationally. Mm-hmm. Um that's that's been I mean I had a client in Hawaii, a client in Connecticut, one in Iowa. So that's neat to be able to talk to people from different parts of the country, but sure. um and and just recently I started I I'm running an experiment with my business and I tried some of some of those uh other hub kind of places for commercial work at Fiverr and Upwork. Mm-hmm. We're in the experimental stages. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't gotten real far and and I'm learning and trying to make sure I'm I'm uh, working them to the to the best that I can. I'm not sure I'm there yet. Sure. But sure. So so from a from a marketing standpoint, you talk about some of the ways you position yourself. In terms of your brand, do you describe like your voice quality or the type of work you do in a certain way? I know there's times when, you know, we even talk about it here, like we'll say we're looking for someone who has this quality. I don't even think we know what we're talking about, but we kind of know. Mm-hmm. How do you describe a what is an audio brand? How do you how do you describe the work that you do and describe your voice qualities, if you will? Oh, that's a good question. I have a line that I think is on some of my social media might even be on my LinkedIn. Um, that it says something like "sophisticated like Cabernet and smooth like butter," um, but I don't know. It might say something else. And trying to trying to show my yeah. versatility, yeah. Um, so that I can I can do the smooth and and soothing voices and maybe even a little sultry. And but then I can also do, you know, this rough and ready cowboy type male mm-hmm. voice. And oh, really? So, and I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I kind of want to ask you to do it, but I won't ask you to do it <laughs> unless you wanted to. I, I could. It's just a little out of context. <laughs> <laughs> um, but gosh, I don't know. I think there are ways that you that you describe it. You talk about uh, your general accent and maybe a couple of other accents you can do. Um, the the tone that you might mm-hmm. have, um, if you tend to have a low tone or a higher tone. Um, so this, I'm trying to think of what I've what I've done. I don't know. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's interesting to me because it's kind of like trying to describe verbally a color, mm-hmm. uh, describing a sound, yeah, and how you position yourself from a marketing standpoint. Because I'm sure there's people out there who want the type of voice you have, but I'm curious as to how they describe it or how you would know it's a good fit. Yeah, I mean, some other words I can think of are are edgy or mellow or, um, but so often, <clears throat> if you go to a voiceover's website, um, they have they have their demos right there, so you don't just read edgy; you can immediately sure. hear, a, sure. you know, five second clip, yeah, and, yeah, and get that. Um, yeah, so it sounds like you've got a decent amount of range then. I, I aim for that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So how does that translate to the audiobook world? Because when you're doing a 30 or 60-second spot, you can act like a cowboy for 60 seconds. And I assume that's a lot easier than acting like a cowboy for 600 pages. Yeah. And and how do you – how much acting is involved, if any, in the in the audiobook world? Um, A lot. I mean, I have I have stood up 
you know, in front of my mic, I rearranged yeah. the the room and stood up in order to um, to partly act out the scene. Um, recently, it seems like a character of mine was was pointing a gun at somebody, and so I was, you know, gesturing huh. like that <clears throat> so that I could really get the feel for it. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, I'm sorry, I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking about the acting aspect okay. and, and a couple related questions. I, this is fascinating to me because my guess is sometimes you're doing it. Are you doing it on your own most of the time? Or are you getting direction as you're doing it um, in any cases? Uh, typically on my own, there might be, um, there's conversation with the the author. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, prior, prior to that, they might give me free reign. Mm-hmm. And every author is different. I have yeah. I've had some that are very involved down mm-hmm. to this line. I'd really like you to to tweak it in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then others who love everything I do. Yeah. And that's a little it's almost a little too loose. Yeah. But at the same time, I just try to do my best sure. and give it my best interpretation and always offer that if they don't like it, you know, let me know. We'll change sure. it. We'll work on it. Um have you have you done anything in another language? Is is it all English? I think I've had to do some short phrases in Latin. Um, there was a, a paranormal romance where somebody and it was casting spells, and it was okay. in Latin. There might have been a phrase here and there in French or, or Spanish, but mostly or something English. Like that. Yeah, primarily English. I mean, that's that's my native language, and I I really can't say that I can speak another language okay. fully. So. Okay. And, and when it comes to audiobooks, do you read the book first or are you reading it as you're reciting it? No, you have to read it first. Yeah. And I take lots of notes okay. um, and look words up <clears throat> to make sure that I know what it is so that I can envision yeah. the scene. <clears throat> I apologize. And um, make sure I can pronounce words correctly. If I see an error, if I don't understand why this action is taking place, I study that to make sure I've got it down. And then if there are accents that um, I don't want to be surprised by any accents sure, throughout. Sure. Um, and there have been times when I when I have, maybe I didn't read closely enough. And so then I have to either do some re-recording or stop and study it and then get back to the recording and, and do it right. Um, and then I make a lot of... Uh, Notations. This is when, if I have a paper copy, mm-hmm. I make a lot of notations. Even I'll put a smiley face just so I, yeah. so I know for this line I need to smile. Yeah. So does it does it change the way you read for pleasure? Because mm-hmm. does it, you know, there's uh, one of the things I found is we we talked about you know you having been in the in the in the English wor- world and in, in academia, and I kind of lost my love of reading for a while because mm-hmm. it felt like work. Um, does it feel like work when you're reading books now, or are you able to separate that? Well, it it no, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, but I do read differently. I in fact, because I keep post-it notes and a pencil or pen yeah. with my work books, and I find that I do that with my with any other book that I'm um, reading. And yeah. and sometimes I it has to be really gripping, mm-hmm. like maybe a Stephen King for me not to be looking stuff up on the side. Okay, and, you know. Yeah. So, it, yeah. but I still enjoy all. Of yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. So, um, how long does it take? I know it's based on the length of the book, but approximately from the time you get an assignment until a you know standard length novel, if you will, is done. How long of an engagement is that? Well, um, it's almost a little easier to 
because I think my situation is different because I'm because I'm a stay at home mom yep. and single mom, and then I have um, and my kids are now in online school, so mm-hmm. they're they're right there all day, and they're yeah. great about being quiet when I need them to be. Nonetheless, it's natural to have much oh, sure. more interruptions. I don't sure. have that seven hour block where sure. I'm alone. So. Um, it probably takes me longer than it does maybe the average audiobook producer, somebody who who has a, a little bit better situation or a little different situation sure. at least. But the the calculations or the 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 ratio is that one hour, one finished hour of an audiobook takes about six point two hours to create. Wow! Because there's that initial reading, recording, um, editing re-recording and fixing corrections um, and then or making corrections and then uh, mastering and then you want to do <clears throat> proof listening where you you go line by line and that's not always that's it's not a good idea to have that be you because you're already too close to the material yeah. um, and then you have a uh, quality check and then it goes to the um, the rights holder mm-hmm. and then they're gonna have their own they have to approve it and okay. whether they listen to the whole thing or not you know you don't know. But yeah. um, it's good if they do because they yeah. might catch stuff. Sure. So, so yeah, it's a very long process, and yeah. that needs to be explained up front. And then the editing process is probably the most labor-intensive because you you have to edit out breaths, but then there's some breaths you want to leave in so that your your dialogue is natural-sounding. Um, remove any clicks, noises, mic bumps. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, it's very arduous. Yeah. But yeah. I enjoy that. Well, and, and I would suspect that the average person – and that includes me, would think it's a lot easier than it really is. Like, well, I have a voice. I could do this. I'm sure you hear that all the time. What's your response to that? Um, well, actually, it you don't have to have a uh, you don't have to have a great voice. Mm-hmm. And sometimes unique and kind of off sounding voices yeah. are are good, but um because they, they draw the attention. Sure. Um <clears throat> It depends on how deeply we get into the conversation, that, <laughs> how much I can actually say. Um, I think they'll usually ask, do you think I could do that? And and so they want a, an evaluation of the sound of their voice. Yeah. And then that's where I, I say, you know, an unusual voice is actually really good. But yeah. this is what I would encourage you to do. And then let them go do the homework. Yeah. And then if they're serious, then we can have more conversation about it. Sure, um, sure. Because I also have things to do. Sure, sure. Yeah, you can't train your competition. Um, what are some of the the voices that, if any, and you can say none, it's not something you consider, but are there any voices, voice actors or just actors in general whose voices you find compelling that speak to you? Any any examples? Yes, absolutely. My idol is Frank Muller. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're familiar I, with him. I'm not. Okay. He did. Oh my gosh. He's he's had um, such a breadth of work. He started out as a stage actor, mm-hmm. and and I think did some film and TV. And then where I was introduced to him was listening to his audiobooks. And he did. He and Stephen King had a really close relationship. Okay. Um, and what's cool is that um, he he was in a really bad accident and mm-hmm. and then died several years later. Mm-hmm. Um, and his uh, widow, Erica, friend requested me on Facebook. Oh, wow. I nearly cried. <laughs> I was, because this yeah. was my idol's oh, sure. wife, and I, I just was stunned. And she and I have the same sense of humor, and huh. we've messaged so back and forth. So did she find you because you had referenced her spouse? I, or? I actually put a picture of uh, Frank and Stephen King and, and her hmm. um, on 
I don't know why I, I don't know what the post was. It was just a picture that I found, you know, in the Google verse yeah. and um, had it on there and somebody tagged her huh. and then she and I connected. Oh, well. It was the neatest oh, thing. That's great. Yeah. Um, so, so Frank Muller is, is my idol. And yeah. then there's a gentleman by the name of RC Bray. Um, and uh, he's done a lot of audiobooks, and he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he he has a really gruff voice, but when he does a woman's voice, you believe it's a woman. Mm. As you're listening, you don't even—it's seamless. He's huh. just amazing. Um, uh, trying, I think the gal's name is Julia Motika or something mm-hmm. like that. But she's done um, Gigi Pandian's uh, the Accidental Alchemist series, and and she's very good, and her her French accent is very good, and 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 she can flow in and out of her American narration accent into that French accent just beautifully. She does a, a really good job. Um, those are probably my favorites right off the bat, but but I could. What's kind of funny is I could be sitting in a restaurant or in a public place yeah. somewhere, and my I'll just be. <laughs> Who said that? I have to see what they look like because I'll hear a really neat voice, yeah. and and I want to, I just want to hear more of it. Yeah. And so, yeah, voices are are very fascinating to me, and I'll yeah. just I'll tune in to them yeah. easily. It, have you ever had an assignment sent your way? It could be a book, it could even be something commercially that just wasn't a good fit for you, and you had to turn it down, walk away, suggest someone else, ignore it altogether. Um. And you don't have to speak to specifics. I'm just okay. curious if that ever happens. Yeah, yeah. It's happened a couple of times. One was a a, a memoir, and the gal's um, niece wanted to be the narrator. Ah. And so I'd already done my audition and, mm-hmm. and was getting started. On, I mean, we'd already decided we were going to work together, yeah. and then she pulled the contract. Uh-huh. She let me know, and I understood. Sure, I'm, I'm sure. not going to. Yeah. That's okay. There are other, there's other work yeah, out there. sure. Um, there have been a couple where I where – there just wasn't a connection with yeah. the rights holder. Mm-hmm. And so you just, as diplomatically as you can, just part ways or yeah. Yeah. Um, hasn't happened too often. And I always, I always try to not burn bridges. Sure. Um, whether or not I'd ever work, work with them again, I just don't want to have that animosity, any yeah. sort of animosity. Well, and it sounds like it's somewhat like a lot of worlds. It's somewhat of a small world and there's referrals and other things that could happen or not happen depending on how you handle the engagement. Yeah, yeah, that could happen. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I could keep peppering you with all these <laughs> questions because I'm super curious about it. But in the interest of making good use of our listeners' time and your time, I want to pivot to the speed round of the show. Okay. Um, so tell me about your career path because it's a fascinating one and you've done some things previously in your career, but you managed to build a, a pretty great thing on your own, you know, through a little bit of luck but a lot of hard work. What has that taught you about career success? What's your advice to people when it comes to being successful or fulfilled in their careers? Well, um, I would borrow a couple pieces of advice from one from this Craig Allen, um, who in that class that I took back in 2010, he kept using the word persistence. And he said, you just have to be persistent. And along with that, as you're being persistent, you are learning and doing better and trying different things. But I've never forgotten that. And then the second piece would come from uh, Maya Angelou, who wrote an essay about Miss Annie Johnson. And she was a, a black woman who who did not expect to be in a situation that she was. And, and she set off on a path, tried it, 
And then what she learned was that if that's not working, you set off on another path and you don't feel shame. You don't apologize. You you just do what's right for you and you set off on that new path. And if that's not working, you set off on another path. And that's an essay I've shared with students in the past. And um, I just made a copy for each of my children and, and had them read it. And you can see the change when somebody gets to the end, how how that um, frees them in a way sure. that they don't have to go down this prescribed path. They can branch off if it's better for them. Um, and then <laughs> what I would, what I would add to that is just from personal experience. Um, uh, and I've just lost it. Um, <laughs> uh, treating it like a business, yeah. you know, it's, it's hard to do when you're home because yeah. You can hear the washer All finish the a load. <laughs> yeah, your yeah. kids are right there having questions. Yeah, um, and uh, so that, and then oh my gosh, when they're off for the summer, and I took time off, and I just went swimming with them, yeah. I played with them, and then I would try to do some work. Um, you know, you can't always do that, yeah. uh, but but you do. So you do need to treat it more like a business. And if you're going to take that time off, you need to then compensate for it. Sure. Um, and then I, the other thing I try to do is I really try to reserve the weekends for myself mm-hmm. because, and not even go in my office because by the time Monday rolls around, I'm excited to get back in the mm-hmm. office. I almost can't wait because I have ideas. So. Yeah. That's a lesson that it took me a long time to learn, but you got to get away from it in mm-hmm. order to have some of your best ideas. Right. If you immerse yourself in the details, you're just going to stay too close to it to see the bigger picture. So right. yeah, I think that's yeah. great advice. All right. Second question. What do you think are some of the myths or misconceptions about being a voiceover artist, or you could take it the other way and talk about some things that are maybe underappreciated that are true that you don't think people know enough about. Okay. Well, um, I think I'll take the reverse. I think, and it, this was true when I was a writer, and it is true when as a voiceover, um, that that people think it should be really easy to turn something around. And sometimes it is. If it's a, a, a phone message system, or, you know, and you would just have press one for, you know, service department, that's pretty easy to turn around. But when you have an audiobook and you are trying to perform that audiobook, not just read it, um, that takes time. Mm-hmm. And and to do a really good job and to get into it, you have to, you have to be able to, to breathe it. And people don't always understand that. The people I've worked with have, and mm-hmm. I, I'm thankful for them. Um, sure. But back when I was a writer, if it took me two hours to write a procedure— or longer, um, some people didn't even want to pay me for the time that it took yeah. me because they thought it should have been done. You know, sure. how, how hard is that? Yeah. You have no idea. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, last question. Is there a tip, a trick, or a tool, something you use in your work? It could be outside of your work, but something that you rely on that's super important to you that you think people should know about. Could be a hack could be any of those things. Wow. And it um, doesn't have to be an audio tool, even though you work in the audio world. Okay. Um, well, <laughs> trying to figure out if it's a good hack for everybody or if it's just a good hack for people who have ADHD, because <laughs> that's a big challenge for myself. Um, and I've had to learn how to what it is I need in order to make sure I'm getting everything done sure. um and that I don't get distracted um by cool research and I I feel like I I said my 
my advice when I said keep the weekends to yourself. Yeah. Um, so I'm having a hard time coming up with a new one. <laughs> That's I'll, okay. As soon as I leave, I'll think of it. Sure, um, sure. Well, let me ask you. I'll give you a related question. Okay. Um, you know, one of the things that I do a lot of public speaking, and I've heard multiple schools of thought on how to get ready, how to get your voice ready. My approach has always been just to start talking. <laughs> okay. Is there anything I or other people should do if they're in a speaking scenario to warm up the voice? Is there anything you do? Oh, there are tons of techniques. I like um, uh, um, tongue twisters. Okay. Um, and sometimes the the naughtier, the the funner. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, just because you know, then you then you're laughing, then you're relaxing, and. Um, and my mom's not in the room, <laughs> so I can say it. But uh, uh, those are fun. And then there are just different different exercises like like um, mm, or mm, or uh, oh, you know, like lip fluttering and things like that. And then obviously staying hydrated. Yeah. So. So is it room temperature water or cold water? I prefer room temperature okay. water. That's that's me. And then I I. So I don't know if it if it works yeah. for everybody, but yeah, I I mean I normally drink just room temperature water sure. anyway. Okay. So all right. Yeah. So the and the other tip with the uh, profane uh, <laughs> tongue twisters is make sure the lavalier mic is turned off <laughs> right. if you are doing right. public speaking before yeah. practice. Yes. <laughs> right. Because that would that would oh, that's exactly what would happen yeah. to me. Yeah. 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 I'm always in the studio, so I always have <laughs> a safeguard. Yeah. Well, tomorrow I have a presentation at 8:30 in the morning, so maybe I'll try that right before I get started and see how it goes. <laughs> there are safe ones, you know, <laughs> suitable for work. <laughs> oh, I may as well just go all in and try something unsafe. <laughs> Well, Laura, thank you. This has been fascinating and super fun. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure to to actually see you face-to-face and not just hear your voice. So thanks for being here. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. And thanks to everyone who took the opportunity to listen to this week's episode of the Asher Marketing Podcast. We'll be back next week with another great guest, and we hope you'll join us then.